A Treatise on Bread and Breadmaking by Sylvester Graham. Preface. There are probably few people in civilized life who, where the question puts them directly, would not say that they consider bread one of the most, if not the most, important article of diet which enters into the food of man. And yet there is, in reality, almost a total and universal carelessness about the character of bread. Thousands in civic life will, for years, and perhaps as long as they live, eat the most miserable trash that can be imagined, in the form of bread, and never seem to think that they can possibly have anything better, nor even that it isn't evil to eat such vile stuff as they do. And if there is occasionally an individual who is troubled with some convictions that his bread is not quite what it should be, he knows not how to remedy the difficulty, for it is a serious truth that although nearly every human being in civilized life eats bread of some kind or other, yet scarcely anyone has sufficient knowledge of the true principles and processes concerned in bread making, and of the actual causes of the bad qualities of bread, to know how, with any degree of certainty, to avoid bad and secure good bread. Welcome to the Feast Podcast, the show about family, the joy of life, and of course, food. I'm your host, Sarah Kuntz, and I want to inspire you to explore simple, meaningful, and enduring ways to express yourself and share your joy through food and cooking. On today's episode, it is all about one of the most basic foods, bread. What is it? How is it used in different cultures, the science behind how bread is made, and of course, where does it fit into a balanced diet? We'll spend some time in the home of a friend as she talks about making sourdough, and finally, we'll head back to our house where I'll be making homemade pizza with the kids in the final installment of our series, Summer Cooking with Kids. So let's talk about bread. Can you think of anything more homey and comforting than freshly baked bread? I remember occasionally stopping by a bakery on the way home from work before we had kids and enjoying a slice of pumpkin bread with butter. Now I would probably choose the sourdough with rosemary and garlic, but I love the possibilities of bread. In its most basic definition, Bread is a baked food product made of flour or meal that is moistened, kneaded, and sometimes fermented. Bread is a major food since prehistoric times, and it has been made in various forms using a variety of ingredients and methods throughout the world. The first bread was made using coarsely crushed grain mixed with water, with the resulting dough probably laid on heated stones and baked by covering with hot ashes. The Egyptians discovered that allowing wheat doughs to ferment formed gases and produced a light expanded loaf. This was the start of sourdough. The Egyptians also developed baking ovens. Each culture has their own form of bread, showing the importance of grains around the world. In Central America, tortillas are made from corn, In Africa, injera is made from the grain teff. It is a flatbread with a spongy texture and looks similar to a large tortilla. 
It's used to scoop up stews and sauces. In North Africa and the Middle East, pita, made from wheat, is a delicious bread used to scoop up hummus, meats, beans, and salads. In France, the baguette, made from wheat, is a long, skinny loaf of bread with a crisp crust. In the Jewish culture, challah, made from wheat, is a special bread Jewish people make for celebrations. It is a braided egg bread that is slightly sweet, golden brown, and raisins are sometimes added. In India, naan is a popular Indian flatbread containing wheat flour mixed with milk or yogurt. In Jamaica, bami is a traditional Jamaican cassava flatbread in which the dough soaks in coconut milk before frying, steaming, or baking. When it comes to Europe, there are too many to name. Bagels, ciabatta, Irish soda bread, English muffins, pretzels, stolen, which is a German holiday fruit bread. As part of a healthy diet, bread is a good way to include fiber, carbohydrates, and B vitamins, which provide energy. We are emphasizing the whole grains and multigrains for everyday eating, where you will get the most bang for your buck. Look for 100% whole wheat, multigrain, where you will get a variety of grains in one bread, and sourdough. They will nourish you with micronutrients and help your digestion to run smoothly. Bread comes in thousands of forms, but what do they have in common? Most basically, they involve cooking a mixture of milled grains and wheat. Think about the thinnest flatbreads to the fluffiest, softest roll. Matzah is nothing more than flour and water baked until crisp, while the raised breads involve the complex interactions between flour and the leaveners that give them a fluffy, tender quality. Leaveners come in two main forms, baking powder or soda and yeast. Baking powder or baking soda work quickly. Think about quick breads like banana bread, cornbread, and biscuits. These rely on baking powder or baking soda. The leavener in these quick breads work fast, and your beginning to end process in making these breads is usually under an hour. Chemical reactions take place to produce the carbon dioxide necessary to inflate dough or batter and make it rise. Baking powder and baking soda leaven baked goods that have a delicate structure, ones that rise quickly as carbon dioxide is produced. The other main leavener in bread is yeast. Yeast is a live single-celled fungus. There are 160 known species of yeast, and many of them live all around us. Most of us are familiar with the active dry yeast that comes in the little packets. This form of yeast lies dormant until it comes into contact with warm water. Once reactivated, yeast begins to feed on the sugars and flour and releases the carbon dioxide that makes bread rise. As compared to baking powder or baking soda, the rising takes place at a much slower rate. Have you ever walked into a bakery and noticed the unique smell from freshly baked bread? This distinctive smell comes from yeast. In order to make bread, the yeast is added to flour, salt, and water. 
The most common flour in bread making is wheat flour. It contains two proteins, glutenin and gliadin, which form gluten when the flour is added to water. As you knead the dough, the gluten becomes more and more stretchy. This gum-like substance fills with thousands of gas bubbles as the yeast goes to work during rising. As the yeast does its work, starch is broken down in the flour and the yeast feeds off of those sugars. When time for baking, the yeast will continue to feed, the pockets of gas will continue to expand, and as the temperature of the dough rises, the yeast will eventually die. The gluten hardens and the dough becomes solid. And there you go, bread is made. To make sourdough, you have a sourdough starter, which you feed with flour and water to give it energy. This starter is then added to flour, water, and salt, and left to rise for 12 to 24 hours. Sourdough is shown to be lower in gluten, which can be an option for those sensitive to gluten. I love how sourdough uses a more traditional and ancient way of allowing the dough to ferment. Probiotics are formed through the process of fermentation and contributes to healthy gut bacteria. Our friend, Elena, was so generous to share her process and rhythm of making rye sourdough. Elena grew up in Germany where excellent hearty bread was readily available from local bakeries. She is now continuing the tradition with her family in her kitchen. Hi. Hello. Hi. Alina. Jeremy. Jeremy. Nice, nice to meet you. you. Okay. Well, guys, come on in. Oh, you don't mind taking off your shoes? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Actually, I have a really cool story. When I was growing up, I was always a bit embarrassed about it, but now I think it's actually a really cool heritage. My family, we would consider ourselves Russian Germans, and just like a Brief history, when Catherine the Great married the Russian Tsar, a lot of Germans migrated from Russia, uh, from Germany to Russia and stayed in colonies for several centuries. And so that's where both of my parents are from. Mm. They lived in Russia, but they were Germans in nationality. Like even on their passport, it would say German, even though they, had, they were born there and had lived there for generations, mm. but they spoke their own little dialect in their colonies. But then when the war fell, 1990, a lot of Germans migrated back from Russia to Germany. Mm. And so that's where my parents uh, are from. And I was a year old when we moved to Germany. And so, yeah, but my mom, she was a stay-at-home mom. She always cooked meals. When we came home from school at two o'clock, so our schools were always half-day schools. And when we come home, food was ready. She was welcoming us. We sat at the table. I just had very warm, fuzzy feelings coming home from school because my mom was always there with home food. Because she lived in Russia, 
there was a fusion of different kind of cuisines that she brought with her and so some of it is it's called pilimini it's basically their version of a pot sticker but filled with just basically meat a lot of these russian meals basically are flour potatoes and meat they just kind of have so many different versions <laughs> of these three ingredients <laughs> so she would make a lot of this and then a soup made a lot of root vegetables called borscht and you might have heard about it because mm -hmm. i feel like Mm -hmm. I've heard it on TV and such mentioned before. So that's something and I make this for us as a family too. She would always, she make a lot of yeasted bread because she grew up in a little village where they, I think they didn't have running water until, until she was older. And so they had their little fire oven. Is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. like a mm -hmm. Fire oven? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that's where they would make their yeasted pastries and so wow. she would make these for us and I have my favorites every time I come home she makes these for me with poppy seeds and it's delicious yeah I think so these are kind of the main things I have very fuzzy memories over when I think of my mom's cooking mm -hmm. mm, kind of plain but delicious you know mm -hmm. so how did you learn how to make sourdough okay so we've had some friends staying with us for a while and then they're also Germans. And so he was telling me that he's making the sourdough in Germany because I've tried different kinds of bread that tasted like those bakeries that I grew up with. And yeah, Leah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so growing up, uh, everywhere you go in Germany, every little like village has, the, has its own little bakery. And so we grew up eating very good, hearty bread. So it wasn't just white baguette, like white baguette or ciabatta, but it was more, lots of seeds in them or pumpernickel mm -hmm. and so we've had lots of these types of breads growing up and so when we moved to the states and we started having kids i tried to mimic some of it but i could just tell something was lacking and i know that professional bakers they have steam coming into the oven to get that nice like crunchy crust and so yeah when we had the kids and they started going to school i wanted to put something they i wanted to give them something that I felt comfortable giving them on a regular basis and so they you know they love the store-bought toast and I'll sometimes make French toast or something with it but when it comes to more the hearty kind I like to make my own and so I tried different kinds of uh, sourdough I tried the wheat kind um, but my starter just didn't it just didn't work out very well it wasn't stable so after a few days it already built mold and so I thought you know forget it I'm not gonna do it and then we had my German friends visiting and so he told me about rye and apparently when you have rye bread or rye flour it is a lot more sturdy and so it's not very sensitive to outside influences and it doesn't go bad so quickly so it can stay in your fridge for a while longer and even when i started the starter after a few days it was ready to go and with mm. my wheat i remember just i don't know i would always Every day, I'd look, I felt like a little baby that I had to take care of, you know, and I would always show my husband, look, it's growing, and it's not growing. <laughs> so I was kind of upset about it, and yeah. I felt like it's more, it did more hard. It was just harder for me. I've tried that a few times, and every time, I just like something didn't work out quite right. But with rye, it's, for me, bulletproof. It just works every time. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my journey to sourdough. Yeah. But then with rye, because it is expensive to buy this milled in the store, in, in an, you know, when you start getting into the whole sourdough world, I mean, it's just such a steep learning curve. And so mm -hmm. you're learning, well, it's best if it's fresh, fre freshly milled. And, 
yeah, um, I don't know. There's just so many things, and and so I thought, okay, if I start doing this on a regular basis, I need to invest. And and the question was, am I willing to do this or not? Like how uh, how how consistent will I be with that kind of baking? Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, I need my Dutch oven, mm-hmm. I need a mill, and I'm just gonna buy kind of like a bulk size rye wheat berries. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of where that's kind of where I went because I thought, okay, I'm doing this investment, I'm gonna stick with it, and I did. So I've been doing this for two years now. And so, how often do you bake like a loaf of bread, like you did? Um, about once a week. Yeah. And to keep, my, I, I, I make my loaves a little bit smaller, so I have to bake it once a week and keep my starter going. I can just tell it does a lot better if it's fed once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you are making the sourdough, it's, it's only rye flour, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. It's no, it's no wheat flour. No. So it's a lot denser. When I made my wheat flour, it had nice big holes when I baked it, and like this really beautiful kind of moist bread. Mm-hmm. So this isn't like that. It's a little bit more dense, so I cut it in smaller slices. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's the other investment I did. I could tell after a while, I felt like sawing a piece of wood. Yes. <laughs> so what is dense. your solution <laughs> yeah. for that? <laughs> so I bought a meat slicer. Oh. And and they also have a jagged blade, mm-hmm. and that's the one I use to cut my bread now. It's and then like you can always serrated, serrated, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's always a certain thickness, and I know it's that's the uh, the right size. So that has worked really well for nice. me. <laughs> and so it, like it's an actual where you're moving the bread yes. on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So the blade just keeps spinning, and then I, I slice the bread through. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I that was something I had thought about with the sourdough that I make. So it's the wheat sourdough, and you know it develops this very hard crust. Yeah, which is beautiful. <laughs> you want that hard crust. And then it's like, oh, this this is hard to get through. And I'm using a serrated bread knife. Yeah. But it's just not yeah. powerful enough for I think sourdough. I think you know just a regular loaf of yeasted you know just regular yeasted bread it would do just fine when i started getting into sourdough i we read the passover story again about the israelites leaving egypt Mm -hmm. and how god specifically said don't make uh, don't make leavened bread leave it unleavened because you never know when you're leaving it it might happen in the next few hours and i remember always wondering a bit about this because i know that when i have worked with yeast in the past it was always oh, uh, Blasen. Blasen, can you put your name in Oh, yeah, the German. I don't know you English. Actually, I don't. But I know a little bit. Yeah, I speak Hey, yeah. Not so loud, okay? We're talking now. They don't understand because it's a microphone. Now, you know, trying to. So, because every time I have dealt with yeast, and it was always a one-hour process, and then bread is done, and now it has risen. It got its time, maybe two hours. Mm-hmm. But this is like a, for me a twenty-four-hour process, and so it gave me a whole new perspective on what it means 
the kind of waiting that the Israelites went through and why they weren't supposed to use leaven because they wouldn't have had the time mm-hmm. for the 24-hour process to get their bread going, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I've made for people rye bread before and there's different reactions, reactions to it. Yeah, because a lot of times people like the look of it. It's very rustic looking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and kind of artisan-like, yeah. but a lot of times they just don't I guess love it because it's, I think it's when you cut it too thick you just don't mm. love it as much. and I usually give it to them as a loaf mm-hmm. so well, it's like you said I mean we're so used it. to yeah. wonder bread and yeah that's what we yeah that really yeah. light wonder bread yeah. <laughs> oh really yeah. well not not we but the United States yes. in yeah, general yeah yeah, yeah. I that, understand that you know sliced sandwich bread and it was called wonder bread and it was so <laughs> so devoid of nutrients. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah. It's like But it's so it's so funny to have now because it just it tastes so sweet and but no like dimension or depth of flavor to it. Yeah. And like Way too soft. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because all the Germans, every time they talk about this bread, they talk about you take it and you can smash it together like this. Like mm-hmm. that's all there's left to that bread. You know, they always mm-hmm. kind of, that's mm-hmm. a, every time I talk to a German, that's what they talk about American yeah. wonder bread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I guess for me, food is more than just, it's like there's a lot to food. It's I, when I eat food, I want it to taste good and I want it to be good for my body. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work with every meal. I'll eat desserts. I eat no, sugar. They have definitely. Like, so I drew this one and look at this one here. So I definitely. There were some times when I was very extreme about what I was saying yes and no to. I've relaxed a lot about it. But if I'm at home during the week, we usually have a very healthy and holistic way of how we look at food and on weekends I make desserts so that's mm-hmm. kind of how we go about food thank you so much yeah thank you it going was through fun. the whole process yeah and sharing it with us and just the different ways that we ate it like we're just wonderful and yeah so good. okay good <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did Thank you. After several weeks of interminable, everlasting, ceaseless heat, The summer is finally drawing to a close. We've had an especially hot ending to our summer. The kids are back in school. The stores are stocked full of Halloween decorations and high school bands all over Texas are marching onto football fields under Friday night lights. My favorite season, fall, is right around the corner. But before we say goodbye to summer, we have one final installment in our Summer Cooking with Kids series. Join us in the Coots Kitchen as we make homemade pizza, starting with homemade pizza dough. A 
Okay, so explain steps for making the dough and pizza. So warm, heat one and a quarter cup of water to 110 degrees. It's helpful to do this in a two cup liquid measuring cup. I generally put it in the microwave and it just depends how long I need to do it um, based off of how warm the water is to start with. So then you're going to add two and a quarter teaspoon of active dry yeast. So that is the same amount that's in one of those little packets. I usually use um, the, the little jar because I'm using it every week and I just store it in my freezer. You can drill hole in this plastic flat piece. So you have your warm water, you add your two and a quarter teaspoon active dry yeast, one tablespoon of sugar, two tablespoons of extra virgin olive oil. I mean, I can smell it. One teaspoon of salt. All right, now we need our salt. Now, now what do we need to do? No, Titus, not in the oven. Do we have to wait? Yes. Yeah. So you are going to let those things set in the liquid measuring cup. You are letting the yeast bloom and activate, and it's going to become foamy. So we're going to wait for about five minutes for it to bloom and we'll see it'll get foamy and then we'll add the flour to it. Then you're going to pour your yeast mixture into a large mixing bowl. Let's give our mixture a little stir. Add one cup of whole wheat pastry flour. That's like the activator for the flour. It makes it so it rises. It has this little bubbly, it has a bubbly sound when you stir it up. I smell the yeast. It smells like the Mm-hmm. Okay, let's pour it into our bowl. Can't we just pour it in the flour? And then add one cup of unbleached bread flour. So you're going to stir this in, add more bread flour, and knead the dough until it forms a nice ball that is no longer sticky. Are we going to need more flour? Mm-hmm. Yes. It looks sure. so squishy. Does mm-hmm. it look like dough? Because it looks too gooey and wet. 
sew in it, we've added in that flower. It looks fluffy and soft. So you'll need to knead it for about five minutes. bread flour because when you roll out the pizza dough if you use the regular unbleached flour it tends to spring back and not stay down and I found with the bread flour it likes to stretch better and has a better structure to the dough okay looks like we need more flour right just a little okay it's getting more more manageable less sticky but it's all fluffy now, some a little bit. It's getting fluffy. So how long do you think we should let it rise? Then you're going to add oil to the bowl. I say less than three minutes because it's already rising. It was already rising while we were eating. And then coat the dough. Cover with a tea towel to rise about 40 minutes. So Catalina, go get the other towel. That'll go on top of the pizza dough bowl. When it's going to be done. It's probably going to take like less or as much as 30 minutes to rise because it was already rising. So probably it'll take less than 30 minutes. So let's I check. Let's we're... check the rack because sometimes mommy preheats the oven and the rack is all the way at the top, and then I have to move it. Yes, four fifty. So bake four fifty four five zero, and then start. Okay, and then we need our pizza pan and our parchment paper. Spread on parchment on either a pizza pan or a sheet pan when you're ready to spread out your dough. It's mostly bread flour. you have it spread nice and thin spread about one half cup of pasta sauce we were at our friend's house 
at Katie and Reese's house. And they have this marinara sauce from Aldi. Top with grated mozzarella. Okay, I'm going to get two different grades. Okay. I'll agree. But we need to have the table clean. I'll do this tiny thing. Start with about two cups. To grade the cheese and tie, and tie this too, and top with your favorite toppings. Our family likes it simple with the mozzarella and pepperoni. I also like to sprinkle a seasoning with fennel, garlic, and oregano. Bake in a 450 degree oven until lightly browned. So that'll take about 15 minutes. 15 minutes. And we'll do it for 15 and see what it looks like. For a few minutes, slice up and enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Feast Podcast. To receive notifications about new episodes, remember to subscribe on your favorite listening platform. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to info at skylarknutrition.com with your food and nutrition related comments and questions, as well as your ideas for show topics. And if you need a recipe, I would love to send it to you. And a quote from James Beard, who hosted the first cooking program in the history of television and paved the way for today's celebrity chefs. Good bread is the most fundamentally satisfying of all foods, and good bread with fresh butter, the greatest of feasts.
Bye for now. der Skylark Nutrition, ein Ernährungsdienstleistungsanbieter, der individuelle Ernährungsberatungen und Bewertungen durchführt, sowie individuell angepasste gemeinschaftsfördernde Programme und Bildung anbietet. Für mehr Informationen besuchen Sie die Internetseite www.skylarknutrition.com. Danke fürs Zuhören. Are you going to be quiet?